Welcome nerd. Are you ready to launch 143rd expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch, warning anomaly detected in hangar bay, warning anomaly detected in crew quarters, warning anomaly warning anomaly anomaly anomaly. Warning it is too late to escape. Horror month has begun. Don't be afraid of me. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, boils and ghouls, welcome to our third annual Horror Month. It's finally here. We are going to go ahead and take a deeper dive this month into all things horror to help celebrate the Halloween season. That's right, Damon. Each week, we will give you our top 10 films from horror subgenres like slashers, paranormal, and more. Starting off this week, we're talking zombies. That's right. And hey, if you're not a huge horror fan, don't worry, because we're still covering all the latest news and comics, films, video games, and wrestling. Just check out the timestamps below. Christian is promising me that he's going to go ahead and make sure that he adds it to the show notes every week. Right, Christian? Yeah, my fingers are definitely not crossed behind uh, my back. son of a bitch. <laughs> Help these people out, okay? It's a long fucking show. Okay, okay. <laughs> but before we move on, let's go ahead and let's do some housekeeping. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. All right, so this week's review is coming from Frustrated After Last Update. Uh, unexpectedly great podcast. Uh, love the podcast. Horror isn't my thing, but I don't mind hearing what's going on in the world of horror. Also, wrestling. I used to love wrestling, but I don't have time to keep track of it. On the real positive, I love hearing about Star Wars, Marvel, DC, video games, and movies. Christian's Corner is great. I love video games. I have an Xbox and a Switch as well as on my phone playing a ton of COD mobile right now. Hey, and we love giving you all those topics, but thank you for giving us the review. All right, yeah, thanks again. Uh, frustrated after last update. Uh, reach out to us on social media. You know, send us a DM with all your information, and we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, Damon, first up, Disney Plus's Miss Marvel series has cast its superhero lead. All right, starting off with some huge news. Uh, newcomer Iman Vellani has been cast as Kamala Khan in the Disney Plus MCU series Miss Marvel. Um, she literally does not have an IMDb page, so she has very, very few acting credits to her name, if any. Uh, I guess she has been involved in the industry for a little bit. Uh, she was part of the Next Wave Committee at the 2019 Toronto Film Festival, um, you know, working on diversity in the industry. So, but that's really all we know about her. So we do know that they just hired the directors from Bad Boys for Life. Um, and then they also hired... Um, Obed Chinoy to helm the series and they hired Mara Menon um, who has directing credits with The Walking Dead, The Punisher, Titans, and Outlander. 
So um, Foggy has come out in the past talking about what a huge role Ms. Marvel is going to play in the future of the MCU. I mean, not only is she going to have her own solo series, but she's also going to play a part in the film franchise. So, um, you know, this is a big role. And I'm sure they took their time, you know, trying to find the perfect actress for the job. You know, in many ways, it's it's great that they're bringing in someone so fresh as like, and I feel like someone who can really relate to uh, Miss Marvel as a character as well, because, you know, she was very, uh, especially the way that they've introduced her um, now in the game and everything, you know, she's very fresh to everything that's going on. You know, it's, it's going to be a great way to, you know, I guess bring in some new viewers who are like pretty new to all of Marvel and everything. I, I feel like this is a great opportunity to have like a good starting point with someone who's so fresh, um, so fresh faced as well in, in cinema. So, you know, you know, this is a really big role to land, especially for someone who has like very little uh, film experience, it seems. But I'm excited for this. I'm excited to finally see where we're going and getting a Miss Marvel. I, I've been wanting a young Avengers team and or younger Avengers to show up in general for a while. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm sure Miles isn't too far behind at this point. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm still, you know, praying for, you know, the Multiverse of Madness movie to just, it just swings through. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be just awesome. Swing, swings through a portal. <laughs> All right, up next, the big bad motherfucker himself, Samuel L. Jackson, to star in Marvel's Nick Fury series on Disney+. Plus. So kind of out of left field, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is going to be getting his own Disney Plus series starring as Nick Fury, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah, Variety's reporting that Kyle Bradstreet is attached to write and be the executive producer. Um, there was rumors about, you know, Sam Jackson getting like his own Marvel film a while back, but I had heard nothing about the possibility of him getting his own like Disney Plus show. So, but pretty cool moves. So Variety went on to say that there's no word whether or not this is going to take place in the modern day MCU. Um, some people are speculating whether or not it could be a continuation of, you know, Nick Fury's story um, in the 90s, uh, you know, right after Captain Marvel. I think it'd be cool if it was kind of like a prologue to maybe a film like, uh, you know, Secret Invasion or something like that, like a one-off type mission deal. See, but now that you say that, I totally see him totally fucking being in a 90s buddy cop series, uh, continuing on from where we left off. Uh like that seems exactly what they would want to do. But do they want to spend the money on de-aging him for every, you know, episode? I don't know. Do they, have do they bring but... back Clark Gregg and, you know, he be he's the buddy? I could totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. He Agents of Shield is over. You know, it's <laughs> I I, I, I wouldn't mind having Clark Gregg part of the series, but I don't want a buddy cop series cuz that would even have to take place like before Captain Marvel it feels like. Since yeah. after Captain Marvel, we're like way on our way to like seeing Director Fury at that point. Well, I mean, it's just going to end up being Men in Black is what it's going to be if they do that. That's not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing, but I no, feel like but... it's probably going to be tied into a film. I feel like it's probably more likely going to be a one-off series. Um, you know, kind of like what they're hinting with um, some of the other MCU series coming out. All right. Up next, Marvel Studios rumored to be interested in... Keanu Reeves, of all people, for lead role of Moon Knight. Because, you know, he needs to be in absolutely 
ever. You're breathtaking. So yes, it looks like casting for Moon Knight is happening as we speak. Uh, the Illuminati, of course, is added again. Uh, they got their hands on a casting grid, and Kevin Feige and company are, looks to be eyeing uh, Keanu Reeves uh, to lead the franchise. Now take this for with a grain of salt because it doesn't necessarily say that he's already been cast. You know, maybe it's just you know talks right now, but it looks like the role is going to an actor in his 40s to 50s, um, you know, to play a grizzled veteran turned mercenary inspector. Uh, if you would have told me, you know, 10 years ago that they were going to cast Keanu Reeves as Moon Knight, I would probably be furious. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't the hugest Keanu Reeves fan, but I mean, that all changed after John Wick. Uh, he's really showed me a different side of him, and I feel like he's the perfect fit for this role. You know, it definitely is like his year <laughs> or years at this point uh, with everything that they're putting him in. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know Moon Knight enough to know if he's like the perfect guy to play this role. I was expecting maybe someone a little younger, but I mean, you know, he still can do action like we've seen that clearly. Yeah. In and, you Wick. know, typically so, in the comics, Moon Knight, I, I feel like he's younger. Then, you know, in his 50s and Keanu is actually, uh -huh. I think you're like 56, <laughs> honestly. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm fine with it, though. Like, I don't mind him being aged up a little. I don't think it really takes away from the character at all. Well, with him being like an older action star at this point, do you think he would want to stay and do more Marvel projects going forward? I mean, how many more years do you think? Keanu wants to, you know, be breaking his knees in these scenes. Well, I guess it is a masked character. He doesn't have to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, he's only in his mid fifties. We've seen a lot of male actors go on for years and years. I mean, Clint Eastwood is still fucking making movies out there. And that guy's like 80 something, right? So but there's wrestlers still. Yes. Going after and, and wrestlers don't have stuntmen. So uh -huh. <laughs> he'll be OK. I am sure he's probably one of those guys who actually wants to be like in the suit and, you know, doing his own stunts. But mm -hmm. I mean, as long as that paycheck is big enough, he'll answer the, the call. No, oh, well, it's Marvel. Exactly. You're, you're going to answer the call no yeah. matter what. Call me. <laughs> and now an amazing nerd show breaking news alert. Alright, so it is now Thursday, but we had some late breaking news uh, that we wanted to share with you guys on this episode. So file this underneath the holy shit category, uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro is set to join the MCU in Spider-Man 3. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Fox is in final talks with Kevin Foggy and company. Uh, you know, last we saw Fox play Electro was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 opposite Andrew Garfield. There is no word currently whether or not Fox will be playing that version of the character or a different version of the character. We do know that the MCU is dabbling with the multiverse currently, so there is a possibility it's the same character. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the character design in that movie, but I didn't mind the performance at all. So I guess I'm okay with it. And honestly, I'm just hoping we get to see him in that old school lightning bolt mask because I think that'd be fucking awesome. But anyway, back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, moving on. Aldous Hodge to play Hawkman in DC's Black Adam. 
That's right, Aldous Hodge will be joining The Rock in the Black Adam film. Uh, he will be playing Hawkman. Uh, he will be also joined by Noah Ciento uh, in the Justice Society of America. Uh, Noah is going to be playing Adam Smasher. Uh, and a yet to cast Cyclone and Dr. Fate, who will also be part of the group. Uh, Hodge was in Straight Out of the Compton playing MC Ren. I know he was part of the series uh, Leverage. And then he recently was in the horror reimagining of the invisible man i hate that term reimagined um but yeah no so he's a critically acclaimed actor and seems like a great get for dc all right and some horror news the craft legacy will land in october on demand all right and a hopefully welcome surprise um we got news that the craft legacy will be dropping on vod october 27th uh, which was huge news to me because I didn't even know this film was supposed to come out this year. So uh, this is a sequel to the cult classic from 1996. Um, I'm a big fan of that film, actually. So, you know, I'm excited to see what they do with this. Uh, but we also got a trailer. Uh, this was written and directed by Zoe Lister Jones. So um, before we go ahead and react to the trailer, let's read the blurb. A group of high school students from a coven of Witches, a sequel to the 1996 film The Craft. This is all just a little crazy. Half the battle of having powers is believing you do. That's why covens have always been important. If we can do that, what else can we do? We need to put a spell on Timmy. We don't want to hurt him though, right? I am human and I want to be loved. I mean, it definitely loses points for not using the Smith song. I will say that. <laughs> like, why are you singing? <laughs> <laughs> like, that song has to be in the movie somewhere. I guess. Come on. <laughs> All right, Christian, what did you think of um, the Craft <laughs> Legacy trailer? Um, if you told me this was coming to Freeform next fall, I'd, I'd believe you. You know, it's <laughs> quality wise is what you're trying to say. Yeah, I don't know, man. Everything about this just feels like, you know, a half ass teen drama that they've using the craft for. Like maybe like a so. CW like show. Exactly. I got that vibe. I don't know. Like, I'm fine also with it being a sequel. I was kind of relieved to hear that. But then like watching the trailer, it feels like it's so like derivative of everything that happened in the original mm -hmm. film the only thing that you know leads you to like i don't know signals that it's a, an actual sequel is that we see uh feruza box like picture you know th that she's holding but who the fuck took that polaroid picture <laughs> i don't remember that happening in the movie maybe it did but i don't know <laughs> just it seems like magic. A, an odd photo to take <laughs> like it's directly from that scene so uh -huh. i hate um, when they do that too <laughs> it's like you could have come up with something better uh, uh I don't know. I, you know, I, I also kind of hated the fact that, like, you know, at first, like, all the magic seems very, glitter, like, glittery and, like, sparkly. Um, that seemed like an odd choice and was, like, an instant turnoff. I, I, I understand what they're going for, like, you know, mm -hmm. making the magic beautiful at first and then it turns dark, you know, at the end. But it was a little, it was almost, like, too, like, cartoony looking for me. I guess I, I see what you're saying, but I I know that's exactly where it's going. Yeah. You know, it's it's definitely going to turn real evil real fast. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of turning evil, I guarantee you that the new girl 
this time out is going to be the one who actually turns evil mm. and gets corrupted by like the magic, you know, and then we're going to get like a whole carry situation. Gotcha. So that that's my guess here, uh, which I'm fine with. But <laughs> well, what the hell's Mulder doing in this? I don't know why this film is being made. So, you know, I, I was excited at first when I heard about it. I mean, and I'm still holding out hope. But yeah, right now, I mean, it definitely was a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, at least the trailer was so. Well, at least it's not too far away. Geeks rejoice. It's time for Christian's Corner. Damon's not wrong, guys. It is time to rejoice because the next-gen giveaway is still going on. Now, before we get into this week's gaming news, if you didn't catch last week's episode or aren't following us on Twitch or Twitter for some odd reason, that's at Amazing Nerd Show or Amazing Nerd Live, then you missed our big team-up announcement with Digital Sky to get you an opportunity at winning either a PS5 or Xbox Series S. You know, those consoles that are sold out and almost impossible to get right now? We've got the simple solution to your next-gen needs. Simply subscribe to Digital Sky Podcast and The Amazing Nerd Show on your favorite podcast platform and follow both of us on Twitter, and boom, enter to win a PS5 or Xbox Series S. And if that wasn't enough for you, there's even more ways to win when you go to the links in our episode description. This is an incredible opportunity for my fellow gamers, and I'm happy to bring it to you. Okay, so now let's get into this week's gaming news. And one of the big topics that people have been talking about this week is Amazon's Luna. Um, For those of you that don't know, Amazon announced that they're having a cloud gaming service called Luna coming out. Um, They're gonna be doing early access next month Um, You know, it's the same thing as every other cloud gaming service. Play games anywhere on our service. That's their promise. Uh, You know, um, the early access will be for $5.99 for the Amazon Plus or Luna Plus subscription. Um, And it seems like they're going to be doing it kind of like cable style where you add packages of different channels onto your thing. So there'll be a, uh, for example, the one that they're showing off right now is the Ubisoft channel where you'll get Ubisoft games on the Amazon Luna. Uh, yeah, okay, I get it. Money for cloud gaming, but we still haven't seen a really successful cloud gaming service. And you know, the, the most successful one so far, it seems is xCloud as reviews have been coming in and they've been looking vaguely positive for xCloud and that being attached to Game Pass is of course like I've been saying Game Pass is a great fucking deal so I mean and Game Pass has the most games you know available cloud services have been a mess and you know while I was excited for Stadia because I thought if anyone could handle it you know fucking Google could but you know Stadia showed it can't I mean Stadia right now has fans of course that have stuck with it for some odd reason turning their backs because you know at this point, their service hasn't even, you know, given all the promises that they've had. You know, it's like a bad politician at this point. <laughs> well, anyway, back to Amazon. I mean, you know, there's, you know, Amazon owns Twitch, so there'll be Twitch integration. Um, you know, they, they're trying to go for 4K at 60 frames per second. Um, most likely they'll be sticking to 1080p. That's what they're going to be having for the early um, access version of it. 
Um, price could change, of course, at any time. I mean, this is a starting, you know, thing for early access to pay $5.99. So, I mean, I'm imagining it'll probably be $9.99 if I had to picture what Amazon would put as their main price. Uh, $5.99 is the one that they're toting right now because mostly that's underneath what Stadia is providing for um, its users. Um, and, you know, Stadia is a broken service. Um, one of the biggest parts of this so far has been that it might be fully available on iOS. Though, right now they have a plan to not have it on iOS App Store, rather than they'll just use their own website and you download it from their website. Which probably won't sit with Apple too well, so they'll probably want to be on the actual App Store to actually, you know, be a functioning app that works with iOS. <laughs> But I mean, that has a lot of um, iOS users talking because, you know, their um, Apple's been in lock with Microsoft over being able to have, you know, um, any type of xCloud service on their service. It's not going to happen. You know, Microsoft doesn't want to give you that. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. It's cloud services. We I think we're still a good three to five years before we see a successful cloud service, you know, actually you know functioning up like that. Because, you know, guess what? America still doesn't have the greatest internet. And, you know, that's, I mean, that can be said across the world. I mean, in rural areas, we don't have great infrastructure for internet. Um, even in big cities, in certain areas, there's still shitty internet. Um, you know, we don't have a, like, a, like a free internet source. I mean, I feel like that's where it starts, right? You make a free internet source and then everyone else, you know, that starts the infrastructure and then we build on top of that. That's not going to happen anytime soon. I mean, companies don't want to do it and the country's not doing it. So, I mean, there's plenty of places where cloud gaming just won't work and that makes it even less appealing. <laughs> um, it, it, it's just a big mess. It's a big fucking mess that cloud gaming is and they continue to try and make it work. I mean, hopefully, I mean, these companies like Amazon and Google will want to push forward an infrastructure that creates um, a place because I mean if they keep saying gaming's the future why not make America gaming friendly if that's <laughs> that 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 would be my campaign slogan <laughs> make America gaming friendly but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not personally jumping in um, I do know that there are some listeners that are, are into xCloud and stuff like that and do mobile gaming in general and I, I can only imagine you know like xCloud seems to be, you know, the leading person in this, you know, the leading service, I should say, in this. For our listeners that do um, do mobile gaming, are you excited for xCloud? Is um, Game Pass something that you're going to be interested in using on your phone devices and stuff while you're on the go? Uh, let me know in the comments and stuff like that. Um, the other story I want to talk about is, you know, it's a bit of a controversial one. Um, you know, there's opinions back and forth everywhere, but um, it's Cyberpunk's crutch. Now, we are getting into the last uh, six weeks of game development for Cyberpunk. I mean, the game is coming out next month. Um, they send it out to be certified and everything and be ready to be put on shelves. Um, so they're trying to polish it up as, as much as possible and they need as much time as they can. So they're squeezing employees to work a couple extra days and hours to make that happen. Um, it's, it's a pretty big industry thing um, to have crunch. I mean, Last of Us, uh, Red Dead 2 had crunch. You know, it's pretty normal. It's normal in multiple industries, but for some reason in gaming, um, it seems to come up the most that crunch is happening and how cruel it is. Um, you know, at the, at the same time, look, I understand. 
Um, you don't want to overdo your employees. And what happens here in the States often where a lot of employees don't get paid like animators and stuff, that's like animation studios. I'm talking now. I'm not even talking about uh, gaming studios, you know, all across the different industries and entertainment that go through crunch that don't pay the overtime that don't give the workers um, what they deserve. It's horrible. Um, you know, one of the things about Polish law, luckily, is that they are required to pay overtime. Now, would the studio do that if they didn't have to? I don't know. I can't say for CD Projekt Red. I could only hope that they would want to do that. Um, you know, there was a lot of promises that they made and a lot of, I wouldn't say promises, but a lot of statements that they made, you know, like a year ago where they were saying, you know, we're going to try to avoid, you know, crunch as much as possible. We won't need to do crunch with Cyberpunk. Well, now we're here and we're doing crunch. I mean, it seems like it's unavoidable for them because they want to put out the game in the best quality that they can. Um, and I would like, I, I mean, I haven't heard any stories from the developer's side yet. Um, if they're super upset by this, if they're, you know, all wanting to put in the extra work to get this done properly and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm going to have to look into more stories on that end because mostly I'm just seeing angry fans. Um, you know, people that are just like, no, you weren't supposed to be doing crunch. You made promises and stuff like that. You know, every industry goes through crunch. It's pretty fucking normal at this point. You know, uh, even small companies and small groups and like independent filmmakers crunch. I mean, it's a pretty normal standard thing. Um, should there be, you know, laws put into place everywhere where, you know, crunch time is more managed or, um, you know, release dates can be pushed back or, you know, uh, way better pay for crunch? Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. But I, I don't think crunch is going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm not going to be mad at, um, you know, CD Projekt Red for having to go through crunch. I mean, that's just, they want to put out the game next month uh, and they don't want to deal with any uh, more backlash of pushing it back, I'm sure. I'm sure whatever big wigs above um, CD Projekt Red are probably, you know, putting some pressure down as well. But I mean, that's, it is what it is, you know. Um, that's pretty much the big statement for uh, this week with Cloud Gaming and CD Projekt Red's uh, crunch time. Um, you know, we'll see the future of fucking cloud gaming, see if that goes anywhere. But I, I doubt it's anytime soon. Um, I doubt we're anywhere near cloud gaming becoming, you know, what it could possibly be. Um, and with Crunch, Crunch is not going anywhere anytime soon. I can tell you that right now. We can only hope that, you know, legislation will eventually be put in so that Crunch is something that is like extremely overpaid for, which will cause companies to um, avoid it as much as possible. Because as soon as they have to start paying people more, that's when they start caring about, <laughs> you know, things like crunch and stuff like that. Um, so that does it for this week in Christian's Corner. Make sure that you're following me on Twitch right now. It is fucking horror month, like we said throughout this show. So I'm playing horror games right this week. I started Metro Exodus, which is a survival game, which I've never played before. And I've been very interested and I've gotten into that. Uh, I'll be playing that throughout the weekend. I'm also be playing other games, of course, like I'm still playing Ghost of Tsushima. I'm still playing Outer Worlds. And of course, Star Wars Squadrons came out this week and I'm super excited to hop into that game. Um, if you don't have time to watch us on Twitch um, or on our Facebook page, make sure that you can head over to YouTube and you can catch all my edited replays of the gameplays that I do. Um, you know, I post like two to three videos a fucking day on YouTube. So you can definitely check out um, all of our playthroughs. I'm definitely trying to cut them down and make them a little bit shorter nowadays, um, just so that you guys can have an even more tight package out there <laughs> of gameplay. 
So, um, yeah, definitely check out our channel. Uh, check out our Twitch. Uh, make sure that you're following me at Amazing Nerd Live for all my um, info on live streams. All right, let's move on. All right, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Horror Month is here. Damon, why did we choose zombie films for our first countdown? Well, Christian, that's an easy one. We love zombie films. I mean, we love everything about them, from the small personal stories to the grand dystopian masterpieces we've been getting lately. I know you're like me. We just can't get enough. I mean, so growing up as a Fangoria kid, I'm naturally a sucker for gore. I love watching the special effects artists work their magic and give us sights that just truly rock us to our core. But I mean, what's great about these films is they're, they're not just effect movies alone. I mean, their pliable nature allows them to be everything from like gut-busting comedies and political satire to, of course, like terrifying horror films. And sometimes they do all that at once. I mean, one of the most beautiful aspects of the genre is every generation for the past 50 some odd years has their own zombie film that just hits a nerve and resonates and acts almost as like a time capsule reflecting on who we are as a society at that very moment. And that's why, like the rotting corpses that refuse to die in these films, zombie films will always endure and be relevant. Well, with that being said, let the countdown begin! Now rising from the grave, The Amazing Nerd shows top 10 zombie movies. Number 10, Night of the Creeps. Oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. While it might not be your traditional zombie film, this underrated cult classic is well-deserving of our countdown. Fred Decker, who also wrote Monster Squad, and directed for that matter, I mean, does a fantastic job of blending genres here. And my God, Tom Atkins, what a fucking performance. There's no way we were going to leave this film off our list. If you haven't seen it, stop what you're doing. I mean, after this show and check it out. Number nine. Zombie. Father of my father always said, when the earth spit out the dead, they will come back to suck the blood from the living. Three words, zombie versus shark. Nuff said. <laughs> this unofficial sequel to George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, I mean, has functioned as a gateway for horror hounds for generations. Unrelenting, I mean, just chock full of super memorable scenes uh, that will haunt your nightmares for years to come. Number eight, Return of the Living Dead. I don't think a film could possibly be more 80s than Return of the Living Dead. I mean, this film is outrageous and just a gory good time. I mean, they introduce the whole gimmick of like zombies craving brains and the effects in this film are just insane. I mean, Tarman, come on people, fucking Tarman. <laughs> Sorry, I just love this film. Number seven, Train to Busan.
This action-packed, heartbreaking zombie film from South Korea gives us a tale of a man learning to be a father in the middle of a zombie outbreak. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see this film move up our list for years to come, as it is one of the best zombie films we've got in over the past decade. Number 6. Day of the Dead So for years, Day of the Dead was Romero's red-headed stepchild when it came to his zombie trilogy. I mean, that was until Land of the Dead came out, of course. <laughs> but like, I don't know, the movie grew on me. And I just, I love its suffocating like atmosphere. Um, it, the outrageous, over-the-top, fun performances and the tremendous effects. I revisit this film a couple times a year and I think it deserves a lot more love. And now the top five films. Number five, Dead Alive. Devil is amongst us. Stay back, boy. This calls for divine intervention. I kick ass for the Lord. All right, so bar none, my favorite Peter Jackson film. Yeah, I said it. I mean, <laughs> the first time I saw Dead Alive, I mean, it was a horror movie experience like none other. I mean, I remember afterwards my sides literally being sore from laughter. I mean, the film has as many laughs as, like, buckets of blood. And trust me, that's saying a lot. Um... It's all because Dead Alive is the perfect marriage between slapstick comedy and gory goodness. Our protagonist, Lionel, falls in love and is forced to have to get from underneath his mother's thumb and finally take a stand for himself. I mean, Jackson uses the zombies in this film as the physical manifestation of Lionel's repression at the hands of his vile, vile mother. I mean, the film crescendos into one of the most balls-to-the-wall, goriest scenes ever captured on film. And yet, somehow, that all pales in comparison to the utter disgust of watching the dreaded pudding scene. All this and more is why Dead Alive is number five on our list and a must-watch for fans of horror. Number four. 28 days later. How do you make a classic horror monster scarier than it already was? You take away one of its biggest crutches and have that son of a bitch run you down with horrifying intent. 
28 Days Later is credited as the birth of the modern zombie flick, as fast viral zombies change the game. And while most remember it for having zombies go 0 to 60, the, the film is also an extremely simplistic marvel. With a budget of 8 million, Boyle and company used every trick in the book to make a massive city look realistically desolate. Even with lower grade cameras and budgeted effects, you can see the love put into this horror film by crew and cast. With a story that throws you right into the action and always punches you hard and fast whenever you feel the story slowing. This film just has such a memorable intensity as you'll find yourself horrified by the possibilities of even accidentally being infected and turned into a ravenous monster. Though like the main character finds out, sometimes you gotta be a monster to live among them. It is definitely a top 5 zombie flick and worth checking out if you haven't. Number 3 Shaun of the Dead Take on. Go to Mum's, kill Phil, Sorry. grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! Is it blasphemy to have a parody in your top five zombie flicks? Not when they're this fucking good. Shaun of the Dead is one of the most charmingly humorful takes on the zombie genre, a film about relationships, friendships, and maturity set at the start of an apocalypse. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are a comedic dream team backed by Edgar Wright's distinct film style. You can't help but root Sean on as he attempts to save his parents, friends, and ex by going to the one place he knows well his favorite pub, The Winchester. And while you can't mistake this film to have been done by anyone other than Edgar Wright, there's definitely a lot of love for the genre as a whole in this film. This movie is chock full of classic scenes and you know unforgettable moments that you know, you'll leave the movie and immediately start quoting to your friends. It is one of the best handled spoofs of any genre and something I can come back to all year long, horror month or not. And that's exactly why it ranks so high on our list. Number two, Night of the Living Dead. Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny. You're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it, you're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it, you're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. He'll hear you. Here he comes now. I'm getting out of here. Johnny. Groundbreaking. I mean, it all started here, right? I, you know, taking zombie films away from their original voodoo origins. I mean, George Romero redefines what the subgenre is, giving us the template for modern day zombies. And I mean, this still holds and is used over 50 years later. It's very simple. Reanimated corpses driven by the need to feast on human flesh. Countless films, comics, books, video games, TV shows have their roots in this film. But what made Romero's Night of Living Dead different from your standard horror affair is it takes this nightmare scenario and he uses it to explore the ills of society, proving horror could be more than just cheap scares, that it could actually have a message. I mean, don't get me wrong, the film itself is chilling, but the haunting 
claustrophobic atmosphere that Romero builds is only part of the equation. I mean, it's thick with themes like racism, trust, and mob mentality. You know, and the true horror of the film really comes from Romero's ability to show how fragile our civilization is. And I just watched this again last night. And man, that ending is depressingly more relevant now than ever. And now the number one zombie movie, Dawn of the Dead. What the hell are they? They're us, that's all. There's no more room in hell. What? Something my granddaddy used to tell us. You know Makumbo? Voodoo. Granddad was a priest in Trinidad. He used to tell us, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk there. So at an extremely young age, sometime in the 80s, I saw Dawn of the Dead for the first time. Um, and I still remember physically feeling sick to my stomach. I mean, I'm not even sure if I made it through the whole film. But what was so great about it was I couldn't wait to revisit it. And every single time that I did, the older I got, the more layers I was able to pull back and discover something new Romero was trying to say. Dawn of the Dead is Romero at the height of his filmmaking prowess. He takes the concepts that he developed in Night of Living Dead and he just levels it up. It's bigger, it's bolder, and it's in fucking color. <laughs> we get introduced to the special effects guru Tom Savini here as he uses this film as his blood-soaked canvas of carnage, making the unimaginable horrors real. I mean and truly changing the horror game forever. Romero this time, he amps up the social commentary as he takes aim at consumerism, using the subgenre to really show us that even in death, we're slaves to status and the almighty dollar. This film is not only a watershed moment for horror, but for cinema. And just like that, we're at the end of the list. But I have to say, with movies like Train to Busan and even Hashtag Alive coming out, um, I have hopes for you know the future of the genre in general. I hope there's a big resurgence and stuff like that. Um, if there's any movies you think we missed on our list, let us know in the comments. Or if you have some grievances, we'll, we'll enjoy rebuting them with you. Because <laughs> our list is pretty much perfect. All right, got to move on. So Christian, over the past week, you watched a new series. That's right, Damon. I've been watching Netflix's Ratchet. You see, I was taken away from them when I was very young and told that someday I would see them again. But that was a lie. The doctors and nurses here, they want to give you hope that one day you can leave here. But you deserve someone to show you mercy. How different I would be if someone had. Looking good today, Mildred. In 1947, Mildred Ratched begins working as a nurse at the leading psychiatric hospital, but beneath her stylish exterior lurks a growing darkness. 
created by Ryan Murphy and Evan Romansky and starring Sarah Polson. All right, to start, I'll make this pretty easy for anyone who's seen American Horror Story. Did you like American Horror Story? Because if you liked American Horror Story, you're gonna like Nurse Ratched. If you didn't like American Horror Story, you're most likely not gonna like Nurse Ratched. That's not to say that this isn't, you know, Ryan Murphy and Evan Romansky's, you know, some of their best work since I've seen American Horror Story. But at the same time, you know, it has a lot of the same, you know, kind of pacing issues sometimes that American Horror Story can have. Um, and, and issues on that level. But all that being said, I really did enjoy this season. Um, you know, what we got from Sarah Polson, uh, which I'm going to say, this is probably my favorite role Sarah Polson has done so far. Um, you know, she kills it as Nurse Ratchet. Um, throughout the show, you know, I mean, you don't know if to root for her or <laughs> to be terrified of her. You know, she's, she is a really great and fun character. And we get a, a whole cast of fun characters. But at the same time, um, there were some noticeable things about what they chose to do with the story that, you know, didn't, like, it seemed like they didn't want to take any risk. And one of the big things that, you know, popped out for me was, you know, this is a, this is time period is during the 40s and, you know, early 50s is what we get from the show. And, you know, we have you know characters of multiple races and and there's no sense of racism anywhere and i feel like that was i don't know it, it feels a little weird you know after watching shows like lovecraft country and and um watchmen where you know they show the past very accurately with how you know uh, other races were treated during the time but but perhaps that's just not a story that they wanted to tell that being said, the entire cast did a phenomenal job with what they were given. And I have to give props to a character that, um, you know, is portrayed with D.I.D., um, played by Sophie uh, Okinado, I believe is how you say the last name. I apologize if that's incorrect. Um, she kills it as this character who has multiple personalities and it's just I, I felt like man this person deserves an emmy for this role i mean jesus the amount of time she had to change character throughout the season is unbelievable but i digress i wouldn't say the story is overly predictable but i mean you can definitely see where it's going after a certain point um pacing wise there is a moment you know where the show just seems to kind of just jump and it's not in the way where it's like a time jump at all it's just like all of a sudden um the story has now just gone full steam ahead um you know where it, it had this kind of slower pace at the beginning uh, all of a sudden it's just bam 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 and you know by the end of the like show the last few episodes it seems like they really tried to just jam as much of the story into those last few episodes as they could whereas Maybe if they had utilized those first few episodes a little bit better, instead of having them be so slow-paced and mysterious, then maybe, you know, these last few episodes would feel less, you know, jammed with information. But at the same time, you know, it, it was still a fun ride from start to finish. Um, I love Nurse Ratchet. I, I'm hoping for a second season. It seems like we're going to get one uh, because of... Uh, you know, information on like different websites already showing episodes for next season, but I haven't seen any like actual reports saying, you know, this is season two coming for Nurse Ratchet and everything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I'll give props to where props are. I mean, it's well shot. It's very um, stylized, similar to um, American Horror Story is, you know, it's it's on that same level. You know, it's just there's little moments where they, they missed opportunities or just didn't take their opportunities. All right, Christian. What grade would you give Ratchet? Honestly, I'm going to have to give it just a B. 
I want to give it a B plus because I love the performances and stuff like that. But I can I can register that you know there are problems with the story and how jammed the end of the season is compared to where it is. And I think you know um, now that they've established all the characters, established where they are, if they go into a second season, I could definitely say either that that could possibly be a B plus or even an A. You know um, I think. Uh, Sarah Paulson does such a phenomenal job in this show. I definitely want to see more out of this and more from so, um, you know, the actress Sophie and everything like that. Uh, there's some really great characters and you really fall in love with them. And I definitely would recommend checking the show out if you have the time. All right, Damon, moving on, we're going to be talking some wrestling. That's right. This past weekend, we both watched WWE's Clash of Champions. I want you to call me Chief. Acknowledge me as your tribal champions. Do it. Do it now, and this is done. No. Do it now. Nah. Do it now. Do it. Do it now. Do it. No. Say it. No. Oh, and another spear. All right, Damon. The champions clashed at Clash of Champions. We had a full card, didn't we, sure. Damon? <laughs> <laughs> Just not a full card buildup. But yes, no. there was a full card. <laughs> All right, so did you did you watch the pre-show oh, this time? Of course or? not. <laughs> and I'm glad because these results are a little frustrating. Um, Shinsuke and Cesario went over uh, Lucha House Party in a 10-minute affair. Uh, so Christian, all they've been doing is been like just beating the fuck out of Lucha House Party, teasing dissension in the ranks and everything like that. Um, but apparently there was no like payoff at this pay per view whatsoever. Um, usually when you see a team oh. like get beat like this, you're expecting at least a surprise win. Uh-huh. Um, that's not the case at all. So <laughs> yeah, 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 you you're you would assume they care about yes. this team, and like <laughs> seeing them lose like this over and over again. Why do I care about the drama that's happening between like teammates? So, uh, you know, it looks like they'll save all that for SmackDown. Um, I'm sure they'll be breaking up sooner than later. Are are any tag teams allowed to stay together? Not, a, not anymore, Christian. <laughs> Only if your name is the Street Profits. Barely. <laughs> They're still together. <laughs> McMahon has always hated tag teams. <laughs> yes. Clearly. He just doesn't value them. So I don't know. I'm not surprised by this, but it is frustrating. <sighs> All right. Well, starting off the actual card, we had Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles in a triple threat ladder match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. I love Sami Zayn. He is my favorite <laughs> wrestler right now. I said it. <laughs> I'm so glad he's back. I didn't realize how much I missed him. He's just such a fucking great heel. Um, mm. I'm so glad he went over here. I thought this match was tremendous. Um, probably one of the best matches I've seen WWE in a very long time. Um, at least, you know, the past six months since the pandemic started. Uh, I thought this was super creative. I thought there was great spots I've never seen before in the match uh, where I was actually scared for their lives. Uh, um, <laughs> a sidebar can someone please tell Jeff Hardy it's okay to take those pants off like I mean the rave's <laughs> over Jeff you know <laughs> the 90s ended it's it's okay I, I just I, I, I'm wondering if he feels like he has to wear those pants because like you know <laughs> that was the gimmick back in the day but uh-huh. someone just needs to just like 
buy him some new fucking pants. Like, are kids still wearing these pants, Christian? I just don't know about it. Not, not that I've noticed, uh, but I could totally see that coming. Oh, God. Well, but- Jeff's ready because he's got like 100 pairs of them. <laughs> I couldn't stand the drawn-in beard. Yeah. Well, that's how. That's I, how like the, the that's, sideburns that's and shit. It, it used to be real, man. It was real. No, at one point. it's st- it's it's real. It's just stenciled in. That looked like like hard black sharpie was <laughs> thrown onto his face, Damon. Are you telling me like his facial hair is balding or something? Like that doesn't make. I don't know. I thought he had no facial hair. I didn't realize no. there was facial hair well, there. He it usually like has black the warm paint, paint on his face. Though, so you don't. I don't think you get really a good view of it. He's an artist, oh, man. man. <laughs> you don't understand him. <laughs> don't question. Okay. Him. Well, the match was at least art. So, you know, it, there was a lot to get from it. It was very entertaining. Yes, they got plenty of time and almost went a half hour, but they unfortunately could not keep the momentum up. <laughs> from here and that's the danger of like starting off you know the (laughs) pay-per-view is so hot with a match like this uh all right well up next we had oscar versus selena vega oscar holding on to her raw women's championship um you know i thought the match itself was fine i thought selena actually had a good showing i enjoyed Mm -hmm. some of the transitions um and sequences at the end of the match like in and out of holds but my problem is like they never convinced me that Zelina is like a worthy contender. And that's an issue like throughout this entire pay-per-view. A lot of the contenders just, they just didn't bother building them up at all. You know, it mm. felt, it feels like a, a pay-per-view filled with underdogs and long shots. Like there's no one here going after a title that I felt like actually had a chance of winning. Um, and they did it for the most part. So, I mean, I don't know. It was what it was. Um, you know, I'm fine with Zelina starting to be a wrestler now instead of like, you know, more on the manager like side of things, but at mm-hmm. least build her up, like have her go on a winning streak for a month and then, you know, set up this match. Like that's how I think is the natural way to book things. But instead, they just had her like come out, slap Asuka, uh, beat Mickey James <laughs> um, and then, you know, challenge for this match. Hmm. I mean, I will say I, I was more impressed than I thought I'd be in this match. You know, it, it started off a little slow, but by the time they got to the end, I could definitely see, you know, a storyline between Asuka and Zelina going somewhere if they were to do that. Now, are they going to? I feel no. like this will be forgotten about. It's already forgotten about. Like, so I can tell week. you. Exactly. <laughs> on Raw, <laughs> Zelina got a rematch basically just because she jumped Asuka at the end of this match. That's like WWE's uh-huh. like new like booking strategy to like get a rematch for, you know, people who mm-hmm. lose cleanly. Um and then she lost again. So I was like, what does this do for Zelina? Like what was the point of this? You know, they had Andrade come out um like I guess during break and start like berating her. Um so I don't know if all of a sudden Zelina's supposed to be a face now, but I don't know. They don't they they're booking like by the week. I mean, things change like almost like by the segment, it seems like. So I don't know, man. It, it just it really I don't understand the logic in the storytelling that's going mm. on. And that's it, unfortunately, that's been the case for the last month or so. I think that's disappointing because I, I do see talent there. I just think she needs to have more matches and get more comfortable. Exactly. In the ring. Exactly. No, she's definitely talented. But, you know, build mm-hmm. her up a little. All right. Uh, up next, we had Bobby Lashley with the rest of um, was the Hurt Squad or <laughs> some some shit like that uh, with a po- <laughs> no, facing off Apollo Crews. 
Hurt yes. Business? The, okay. I wanted to say Hurt Locker. Squad. No, that's the Hurt not Locker. Right. <laughs> that's a movie. <laughs> Starring Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. No, the Hurt uh, Business, yeah. man. Okay, okay. Hurt Business. Whatever. Uh, Bobby Lashley defeated Apollo Crews for the United States Championship. What? Um, with um, Ricochet um, nearby. I guess. Yeah. Doing nothing. Twiddling his thumbs. Yeah, we got one of the most talented, like, wrestlers of the world <laughs> just you know in the corner in this fucking lame ass match <laughs> doing nothing <sighs> instead of just like you know i don't know mesmerizing us you know fans but whatever did, did you get anything out of this match no, did this was very like by the numbers um it was a fine mm-hmm. match but it felt like a raw match you know not yeah. worthy of uh, a pay-per-view at all uh you know, I'm so sick of this fucking feud at this point. I feel like the Hurt Business mm-hmm. and Apollo and, you know, Ricochet, they've all been feuding for the past, like, four months. I just don't see where this is going. I mean, Cedric has already jump-shipped and joined the Hurt Business. Uh, he wasn't there at the pay-per-view. We don't know why. Um, on Raw, they said that they put him through Hurt Business uh, boot camp. So I, I think he's probably either came in contact with someone with COVID or he has it himself because <laughs> that was pretty like oh, his boot camp. Yeah, I'm guessing. Because... <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, so but that's been that's a whole other thing, you know, that happened during this pay-per-view. Uh, they, we lost two matches because of that. You know, um, I guess nothing's been confirmed with like actual wrestlers getting COVID, but I guess. Uh, their new policy is that if you've come in contact with somebody who has COVID, they're going to ask you to quarantine for two weeks, you know, which is, I mean, that's reasonable. I okay. think that's fine. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's why the Nia Jax and uh, Baszler match got canceled. And that's why Bailey didn't face Nikki Cross. So, um, but yeah, no, it is what it is. I mean, I just, I want them to move on on raw. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was still more of the same. So I just don't know where we're going. Well, speaking of more of the same, we had Street Profits going up against Andrade and Angel Garza. So Andrade and Garza, they've broken up at least three times that I could count <laughs> at this point. Uh, unfortunately, during this match, and I actually thought this match was okay. Like, I was enjoying this match. Garza did get hurt, though, so they had to go ahead and go home quickly. They apparently didn't tell the wrestlers because Dawkins definitely got his arm up. This has been happening a lot lately. I guess the new edict now is if a wrestler gets injured that the ref is supposed to count three no matter what. Um, But it seems like they're not actually communicating that with the wrestlers for some reason. So, like, I guess during uh, the match with Ibar, you know, the um, Viking Raiders, it was the same deal. Mm -hmm. Ibar got hurt and then they decided to go home. No one told anyone, and we had another situation where the ref looks like an idiot for counting three. So I, I'm not sure why that's the case. Now, Ibar's injury was a lot more serious. So I don't know if it was like, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, we need to go home and get him medical attention, which is fine. You know, if wrestlers hurt, definitely go home. But I feel like there's a better way to do this. Like, you know, uh, like Garza was on the apron getting attention, like medical attention. So, like, I think you could have done a spot just to you know, mm-hmm. get us out, you know, instead of just counting to three quickly. I don't know. That's just me. Though. No, I agree. I, I, I just was so, I'm so checked out with this tag division in general. There is no tag division. Like, I was barely, <laughs> there is no tag division. <laughs> exactly. But I was like barely paying attention to this match. I, like, I, I know it's not going anywhere. 
I know no one cares about this storyline and and on the fucking crew. So why should they're I just so inconsistent with the way they're booking mm-hmm. all these like tag team angles? So like, why should you care? You're right. There's no reason. Like, I mean, it's hard to get invested in a team when you keep on having them in turmoil and breaking up every other week, mm-hmm. and then also just getting back together for no fucking reason whatsoever. It's like they're forgetting what's happening week to week. Um, so, or they just have no actual destination. So it's just, it's very strange and frustrating. All right. Well, up next we had Asuka, uh, defeating Bailey by disqualification for the SmackDown women's championship. Um, Bailey came out, uh, did an open challenge and pretty much Asuka came out before she could escape. <laughs> uh, my question is why did you do the open challenge if you didn't actually want to wrestle anyone? Like, what was the point? <laughs> there was no point. It's bad. Writing. And then why did you not expect someone to like, you know, especially Asuka to come out, who's been kind of mm. chasing her for the last like couple months. So now, Damon, I will say up to this point, you know, it's class of champions. I'm expecting at least one upset here. Mm. You know, if they had all these you know storylines going on. All the champions are winning. Give me something, you know, give me some reason to ever care or want to watch Clash of Champions ever again. I agree 100%. Uh, I mean, even with, like, how poorly they built up all the contenders, um, you know, for, like, a lot of the mid-card matches, I was expecting at least one underdog win here. Um, and maybe that was the reason why they're having people getting beaten left and right. Uh, but that's not the case at all. We didn't get any surprises. <laughs> You know, I was thinking, you know, Sasha comes in, interferes, Asuka gets went off the distraction. We get Asuka two belts. <laughs> they keep here. on breaking your heart, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you could have had uh-huh. Bailey versus Sasha at Hell in a Cell still. It wouldn't have hurt their plans. Bailey could come back and win the title off Asuka. Oh, later. good. Yeah. Um, so about that. So yeah, Sasha showed up, <laughs> you know, caused the DQ, started beating the shit out of Bailey. Um, still mm. selling the neck at least. I will give her that. But the fact that she has been like, you know, seriously injured twice now at the hands of Bailey before this, and that she still somehow made it out to the ring to attack, you know, Bailey is just ridiculous to me. Like, you stop booking these injury angles if you're not going to actually like follow through with them. You're you're completely ruining your credibility. Like, I'm going to stop caring about it when you fucking, you know, Mm -hmm. go ahead and do something as horrific as putting someone's head in a vice around a chair and then stomping on it. Because I know they're going to be back in two weeks. So what's what's the problem here? Like, you're ruining the fucking drama of the whole situation. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. She was selling the neck, okay? She was grasping I thought she was fine. Like, I didn't mind, like, how she was selling, but I was like, she shouldn't even be there. You know, I, know. <laughs> I mean, that's been my big problem with how they've been booking McIntyre and Orton, uh, you know, just with all these like horrific, you know, injury angles. But then they're back literally the next week. It's like you're making this shit not matter anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to have a payoff. Like people have to sell these things for it to matter. Um, speaking of, you know, Sasha, I don't want to see them wrestle at fucking hell in the cell. <laughs> you know, I would much rather have her sell her injuries all the way to the rumble. You know, make that shit fucking matter. Have the big pop of her, like, entering the Rumble, you know, to everyone's surprise. And then, you know, have her win the thing to face Bailey at WrestleMania. That's how you fucking build this shit up. Yeah, but, you know, you're you're going to see her on oh, TV for like the next two months. 
<laughs> they don't they don't know how to fucking book up like a month out let alone like a six month program that's insane i'm asking for too much <laughs> yeah. but that's like that's where i feel like this deserves to go like that it deserves hmm. to go to mania if it's built right it definitely has legs to do so it's not happening. <laughs> no, I know. Absolutely. I mean, there will be a mania match between the two of them. I I believe that, but I mean, we're going to see them fight. Oh, about... you think so? Oh, yeah, I think so. What what other angle do you go? Do you go Charlotte versus one of them? <laughs> I don't. You're you're what? 7 months out? So the only way I see them actually doing a mania match is if they like hold off Sasha to the Rumble. That's the only way I see that. Maybe happen. they maybe they pull the final injury angle at Hell in a Cell. You know, the, and then she comes back at yeah, Rumble or even past Rumble. I don't know. And you man. give I it to the other. Be, I think she's going to be a OK by Rumble and they're not going to be selling <laughs> those injuries at all. The way McIntyre came back from fucking three punts uh-huh. in the head. <laughs> you know, back in the day, that would kill someone. <laughs> So anyway, all right, let's talk about, you know, the semi main event. Yes, McIntyre versus Randy Orton and an ambulance match. Uh, 21 minutes, 35 seconds, Damon. What do you what do you what do you think of this match? (laughs) Well, I can tell that you thought it was too long. (laughs) (sighs) Um, I felt like it was bad, bad booking. I mean, they made drew look weak i understand what they're doing they're trying to pay off a storyline with everyone who was attacked by orton getting revenge here but at the same time at what cost you're hurting mcintyre um it'd be one thing if like orton before the match like punted him again and like the odds were against mcintyre and it felt like almost like just that he was getting help uh but that wasn't the case. Every time someone interfered, Orton ended up persevering and overcoming uh-huh. it. <laughs> and then McIntyre, you know, would come close to losing again. And then someone else would come out and interfere. You know, I mean, what do you do? I don't know. I just imagine, like, if you were going to do this, either do this the night after the pay-per-view or the go-home show. You know, you have, like, everyone gets their comeuppance. But Orton still shows up at the pay-per-view or something like that. I feel like there's ways to book it into the match, but just not like throughout the match where he's like facing off this gauntlet and your heel now looks like a baby Mm. face who's overcoming the odds. Like maybe at the end, like Orton does something dastardly and is totally about to like, you know, win the championship, you know, Um, and it's just, you know, not right. And, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, he gets his. You know, karma strikes back. But I, I don't know, man. Are they? So what happened on Raw afterwards? Did are they still continuing the storyline? Or yes, absolutely. And I, I could, I could tell right away that this was going to end up like you know being paid off at Hell in the Cell because they. But I thought what was going to happen was they would book it where Orton would come out and say, "Drew, you needed three people, you know, plus Ric Flair to beat me." You know, I demand a rematch. As a man, you owe me a rematch. Yeah, and then they would go from there. But instead, they had Orton come out and say, you know, you'll get yours and, like, walk out. Then they did this whole angle where, you know, Flair, HBK, Big Show, and Christian were playing cards in the back. And Orton snuck in, dressed up as a janitor, uh, and then turned off the lights and had night vision attack them with a fucking chair. Yes. 
Like it, it just like what? What's going know. on? Seems- <laughs> like this shit is easy. Like <laughs> why do you keep on complicating things with this like convoluted bullshit? But now I think Randy Orton's going to win a hell in a cell just so they can continue on. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know when edges do back. So we'll see. Um we haven't gotten an update in a while. So I don't know if they're going to hold him off till like, you know, the beginning of next year or if he's going to be back sooner than later. So I, cause I feel like the next program for Orton's probably edge again. So we'll see. Cause I, I think he was only supposed to be out like three to four months. I could be wrong. I hear you, but like, I feel like that was an easy setup right there to have all those guys be a part of the survivor series match. If they were to do an Orton versus uh, McIntyre team. I don't think HBK is going to be part of a Survivor Series match, man. They can all so. just stand on the side. <laughs> I don't think he's, I think he's learned his, his lesson after Saudi. Well, okay. Hopefully. So I think, I think, I think there, I don't think that's where this is leading. Uh, but I do feel like I, there's a strong possibility hmm. that, you know, Drew does drop the strap. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I think then you can go ahead and build him up again. So then hopefully, you know, by WrestleMania, we have a crowd like in the arena and then he can have his like big WrestleMania moment the way it should have been the first time. All right. All right. They're still booking him strong, you know, regardless of this pay-per-view. <laughs> so he still looks like a beast. Oh, I do have to make one gripe, though. One big gripe. Wor- one gripe? Worst, <laughs> worst spot of the night. Um, so McIntyre is 6'5", right? Yeah, oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> and he's hanging off an ambulance. That's probably only like seven to eight feet tall. Uh, and yes. he's, I'm supposed to be like scared for his life that he's, he's falling off. Clinging of it. on it like it's a fucking <laughs> cliff. Like like he's in the middle of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Like, he could stand and they up. They didn't even shot it well. No. <laughs> they didn't even shoot it well where you could like Oh my god. Oh. And then they totally they totally shot the crash pad. When uh, HBK oh, yeah. uh, knocked uh-huh. uh, Orton off of the ambulance, mm-hmm. like they show the once like you know angle of it where it looks like you know Orton just fell you know to the ground, but then they had to go and show you a different angle that showed you like clearly there's a giant fucking yeah. crash pad there for no reason whatsoever. <sighs> all right, all right. Final match of the night, we had Roman Reigns defeating Jay Uso after Jimmy Uso throws in the towel. Christian, this is my table. Who sits at the head of the table? <laughs> I ain't saying shit, man. Uh, uh-huh. You're gonna call me chief, goddammit. <laughs> I I really I, enjoyed the I, match. I, okay, we're talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Feel free to like throughout this, you know, knock one of us out if we're because I feel like we've done it throughout the entire oh, okay. card. That's not wrong. So, and definitely clear up all those like like pauses because mm-hmm. there's a lot of them. Uh, go ahead. Right. What were you going to say? You know, I really enjoyed the match. This was, I think, my match of the entire card. I love heel Roman. Um, I love how brutal the match was in general. Um, it was, you know, they're family, so they're going to hit each other as hard as possible. I thought it was really mm-hmm. well handled. Um, I, I've never been a fan of the throw in the towel angle ever in a match, but I mean, you know, it is. I thought it worked it here, though. 
You know, I like that Roman was refusing to let Charles Robinson, like, uh-huh. ring the bell. And a lot of people were, like, I don't know, took issue with that. Like, why he didn't, like, ring the bell and stop the match since, you know, the WWE refs have stopped the match for a lot less. But Roman, like, threatened him. Like, he said, you uh-huh. know, this is, it'll be your job, you know, basically saying, like, you know, I'll get you fired if you stop the match. It's a, it's a so I was. I, I was fine with that. Well, like some people are pointing to the fact that Alexa Bliss got like disqualified for like doing a lot less damage to Lacey Evans, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the ref ended up throwing it out because she was being too rough, I guess. <laughs> so like, it doesn't make any sense. You're not being consistent. But at the same time, when they threw in the whole aspect of Roman threatening, you know, Robinson's job, I was fine with that. I was expecting Robinson to get hit at some point, though. I, I, I thought that was going to happen. I thought that was the conclusion. <laughs> yeah, because do you really need to have a like a official winner mm-hmm. in that match, you know, or could you just have you know Uso t- declaring Roman, you know, the chief? Now, do do you see them like coming out with Roman like as like his goons? I think that's eventually mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, maybe not right away. Yeah, I think that's where you're going to end up going. Like, you know, Roman's now the chief, so they're going to follow, you know, his lead. Um, I don't know how far away uh, Jimmy is from coming back. That's correct. Right. Okay. I know he had a serious injury, so, but I think Jay is probably going to be, you know, treated as like his, you know, lackey. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm fine with that. I thought it was a good story. I do feel like they could have shaved maybe like a couple minutes off of it. It went a little long, but I thought it was a good story. And I really enjoyed like the build up for it. It was like the one thing that they've actually like, you know, been building up. I didn't like that Jay, like just all of a sudden out of nowhere got a title shot. I would have liked to see him getting like more like single wins under his belt before mm-hmm. he was entered in that number one contenders match. Um, Because it kind of felt like out of nowhere. I think the last time we actually saw him on camera was maybe like at the like uh, the uh, women's karaoke gimmick that they did Uh on SmackDown. So um, it would have just like slowly like built him up as a single competitor. And, you know, then it makes sense. You know, yeah, Roman still gets him like, you know, the slot in the number one contenders match. But then, you know, have people actually feel like there's a chance he could possibly win this. But I, that wasn't the case. Nope. But it was still a good story regardless. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, if you had to give this your 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 star rating, what would you give it? Uh, three stars. And that's solely because of the Roman match and the opening match with, uh, you know, Jeff Hardy, Sami Zayn and AJ Styles. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half. Um, there, there's some there's some hopeful moments in the middle there, but. Not enough to, you know, really make me want to watch another one of these. <laughs> it was better. Well, it was better than the last two, though. I will give it that. Well, too bad. Because <laughs> we got a takeover next oh, week. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, Damon. Well, there was some better wrestling going on. Uh, we had some New Japan Pro Wrestling with the G1. All right. So since our last podcast, there has been four nights of G1 yes. <laughs> <laughs> that we need to cover and talk about. Uh, you know, I will be honest. I only saw night four and night five. I have yet to catch up on night six and seven. So we will go ahead and just talk about some of the highlights. 
um, and, you know, give you the results. All right. Well, starting off with the results, we had Goto defeating Sonata. Uh, we had Yano defeating Tanahashi. We had Robinson defeating Kenta. We had Evil defeating Yoshihashi. And we had Naito defeating Zack Sabre Jr. in Night 4. It definitely seems like they're building up Sonata for something. I mean, he's been doing nothing but losing, but usually that's a good sign that, you know, he's going to have a strong finish. Um, You know, I don't know if it's, you know, going to be that strong, (laughs) you know, where he's like in the finals or anything. But usually that's the story, you know, when they start off so slow here. Yeah, I love the Naito Sabre match. I thought it was fantastic. Um, It's fun watching those two personalities, you know, bounce off of each other um saber is just so fantastic and fluid in the ring um he's just a true joy to watch and you know naito's naito so that was definitely my match of the night Mm -hmm. i mean to get back to your comments on sonata uh he was my pick to win b block so it's it's kind of it's getting hurt a little bit right now (laughs) you never know didn't tanahashi start off like a couple Uh, years ago like this and and then he he ended up winning the whole thing yeah that was a nightmare so (laughs) (laughs) chris is not a fan of tanahashi no all right uh it's gonna be okay it's over now is it (laughs) naito's champion man you got what you want i know i know all right night five uh for the a block um had taichi defeating takahashi had suzuki defeating jeff cobb had ibushi defeating ishii and we had Shingo defeating Will Ospreay, and we had Jay White in the main event defeating Okada. This was a fantastic night of wrestling. Um, I mean, Suzuki and Cobb, man, that was a fun match. Uh, Cobb is just tremendous. Like, you could tell he's so excited to be there. I'm so uh-huh. glad that they actually, like, <laughs> signed him, you know, and he's now under contract. Um, Suzuki just cracks me up. I mean, laughing in the middle of the ring while Cobb is like slapping him in the face, just, you know, batshit crazy old man, you know, it's just <laughs> fucking terrifying. Uh, Ishii just, man, I just want him to win the whole fucking thing. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> I feel like he's so deserving. Uh, he, he doesn't have bad matches. No. I mean, yeah, he's in there with Ibushi, but he could wrestle anyone and make it entertaining. You know, I, 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 he's just an unsung hero and I feel like he deserves more. So, but I mean, even if it's not like, a you know, a wrestle kingdom, you know, championship reign, like just for him to get the belt for a little bit at some point, I, I think he's so deserving, but yeah, no, it was a hell of a fucking match. Um, you know, and then Osprey versus Shingo. I mean, it wasn't as good as the last time they faced off against each other, but it was still fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it was it was a great night. For night six, uh, for the B block, we had Yoshihashi defeating Sonata. We had Kenta defeating Zack Sabre Jr. We had Tanahashi defeating Juice Robinson. We had Yano defeating Evil. And we had Naito defeating Goto. I did not see any of these matches, unfortunately. <laughs> Just highlights here and there. Um, I'll definitely be going back and checking out uh, Naito vs. Goto. That looked fucking awesome. Uh, you know, poor Sonata once again. But I feel like he's going to have a winning streak coming sooner than later. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see what they're doing with Kenta. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like they're booking him strong. And he looks the best he has in a, quite a while in the ring. So, 
Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I still hate Juice's uh, new getup. I'm surprised to see um, <laughs> Yano going over Evil. I know Yano plays spoiler and all, but I was surprised that Evil of all people would, you know. What? What's fucking Yano's point total here? Hold on, we'll, we'll look at it at the end. I, has Yano lost a match yet? He beat Tanahashi too. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'll have to look yeah, at we'll that. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I didn't even we'll think about that. <laughs> yeah, he's having a year right now. Because usually, yeah, he he wins a, a couple, uh-huh. you know, over a few big names. So I he beat fucking uh, Omega. Oh, my God. If he gets to the semifinals. <laughs> Is it Yano's year? <laughs> Is he going to finally sell his DVDs? Oh, God. Um. Apparently, they they ran a whole thing with the commentary recently, where they were saying that people have been pirating his DVDs. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. All right, uh, night seven of the A Block had Suzuki defeating Takahashi, uh, Ibushi defeating Jeff Cobb, Okada defeating Taichi, Will Ospreay defeating Jay White, and Ishii defeating Shingo. Like I said. You know, I wasn't able to, you know, watch much of the last two nights, mm. uh, but fucking Abushi and Cobb, like I saw a couple highlights and that's going to be a must watch. So they definitely have great chemistry in the ring. Cobb was just throwing him around and catching him. It looked ridiculous. So um, there's a, this one like spot in the corner that was just amazing. So um, Cobb, like I said, is definitely excited to be there. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, fucking Yano. I told you he won again. He beat Tanahashi. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, well, let's get into the points. Six points on the A block. We have Taichi, Jay White, Will Ospreay. Kota Ibushi and Minoru Suzuki. Um, then with four points, we have Okada. Um, and then with two points, we have Jeff Cobb, Shingo, and Ishii. And bottom of the list, we have Takahashi. Fucking Taichi, man. <laughs> <laughs> I do not need to see Taichi win. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just worried. He's leading the pack, man. Yeah, well, a lot of people have six six points right now, sure. so. But man, I hope he doesn't fucking end up like pulling an upset. <laughs> Just not a fan. For the B block with six points, we have Naito and Yano at the top. Uh, with four points, we have Robinson and Kenta. Uh, with two points, we have Zack Saber Jr., Evil, and Goto. Also with two points, we have Tanahashi and Yoshihashi, and then at Dead blast, my pick to win, Sonata <laughs> with zero points. Don't sleep on Sonata. Uh, like I said, there's been stranger things. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to see it though, honestly. I give it I one know more he's your week guy. till I like change to Yano. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be excited to see him in the finals? I would. I think Sonata is a great performer. I just hate the paradise lock. That's the only thing I can't stand. I just, he, I don't know, man. It's just not there for me. Like, I think he's great in ring, but it's just the personality just feels lacking to me. He doesn't do anything for me, like, you know, charisma wise. I think if you put him in the right story and you build him up some more, it it, it will show. Well, they've got some work to do then. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish they would have done it before G1. I just, and maybe they have. But I've just not seen it in any of his matches mm. so far. 
There was, so, a but lot I haven't of, seen all of his matches, hmm. so you know, maybe that's on me. There was a lot of fire there back. I think it was. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago when it was Sonata and Evil, kind of like teasing their team breakup, and it really felt like there was a story building there. That's why I got I excited for Evil becoming the like big bad in New Japan. I know what you're talking about, and I agree. It felt like he was getting more comfortable. Uh-huh. But I don't know, man. There just feels like almost like a lack of motivation. I, maybe that's just his style. I get it. <laughs> it is kind of the gimmick of LIJ, but I don't know, man. <laughs> He's got to show me a little more. Just some emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many years do you think Hiramu finally goes up into the like heavyweight division and are we going to run there? He's so incredibly like over uh-huh. popular. I-, I could see it within like the next year or so, honestly. I want to see so, him. <laughs> no, I agree 100%. He did face evil, mm-hmm. you know, for the belt. So I think they're playing around with it and seeing if it works. Um, but my God. Yeah. I mean, sooner the better, honestly. All right. So the, that was nights four through seven, believe it or not. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday at three o'clock in the morning. So night eight is actually happening right now. <laughs> so next episode, we'll go ahead and talk those results and hopefully we'll actually get to watch more of uh, G1. But we'll see. <laughs> I can't believe there's another takeover. Uh-huh. I can't believe. I feel like there was just like WWE the past like like six weeks. Has had like three pay per views. Yeah, am I right about that? I believe three? you're correct. Because there was. What the... are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Jesus Christ! <laughs> they're killing us, is what they're doing. Just slowly. Oh, Jesus. just slowly. All enough. right. But anyway, so that's it for wrestling, and that's it for the show. Yes. All right, but before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right, and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. And if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, Horror Month is going to continue. We're going to be counting down our top 10 favorite paranormal movies. That's right, Damon, and we're going to get into NXT TakeOver 31. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Yes, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Girls, watch out for those weirdos. (laughs) We are the weirdos, mister.